We have several brothers in studies right now, and because of this, uh, we made the decision not to do a lot of work in our garden this summer. Nonetheless, uh, for whatever reason, our garden, uh, the, the plot it's on, loves raspberries and blackberries, so even without any uh, work at all, I discovered late last week we have a huge raspberry crop coming in, and so with some calm desperation, uh, a couple of days ago I said to the brothers, uh, if you wouldn't mind coming out and harvesting with me, I'd appreciate it because the harvest is abundant, uh, even though we hadn't done anything to, to plant or, or even uh, manure or anything this year. This morning's gospel is a popular one today. I encounter it a lot in Catholic media and so on, and it's usually used in promoting vocations to the priesthood and religious life. And this is a good and legitimate uh, way of using this gospel. Uh, I would say there are two limitations to this. Of course, any portion of the word of God we take uh, always conveys the Lord Jesus Christ. And so in that way, there's never an end stop to what we can interpret out of it. But in this particular case, I would say a couple of things. The first is that it's assumed that vocations only apply to the priesthood and the religious life and not to the laity. And this is contrary to the teaching of Vatican II. Uh, Each of us who are baptized has a vocation, is called by God uh, to live in such a way as to preach the gospel to anyone we meet. And it may very well be that in our workplace, in uh, whatever it is that we do during the day, that we're called upon by the Lord to share the good news with others. The second limitation to this interpretation is that uh, oftentimes it's accompanied by an assumption, which again is not so far off, uh, that we're in a crisis, uh, that there aren't enough vocations, and uh, so there's a hint of a bit of fear uh, in, in saying, well, let's get God to do something about this problem. Um, we don't have enough priests, etc. This isn't going to convince anyone of, that we have good news to share with them if we are uh, acting out of this impulse of fear. Uh, plus, it's just there's a tendency to focus too much on the vineyard workers, too much sort of on ourselves, and not enough on the abundant harvest. Can it be that the harvest is less abundant now than it was in our Lord's time on earth. Uh, With seven billion people on earth today, less than a third of whom are Christian, uh, we might think that we have the most abundant crop yet uh, to evangelize. So let's start there. The abundant harvest needs workers. Who's it going to be? Who will the Lord choose? So let's go back, though, and look at the harvesters for a moment. As I mentioned, uh, all of us are called to be preachers of the good news in the way we live and what we share with others. We encounter obstacles, of course, and I'd like to talk about those a little bit this morning. There are external and internal obstacles. Externally, uh, many people outside the church today assume that they already know what we have to tell them. And so we have to overcome a certain amount of... uh, misunderstanding, mischaracterization of our faith, and so on. Uh, When we get the chance to speak to persons who think that our faith is somehow, say, hypocritical or moralistic or uh, whatever mischaracterizations they have, you know, do I prove them wrong? 
Or, or do I end up proving them right again by a kind of fearfulness or, or reticence or, or anger over uh, errors that other people make? Uh, I'll return to this when I talk about how we evangelize or when we examine perhaps how our Lord would have us evangelize. Let's turn internally for a moment. Uh, of course, we've we face divisions within the church, between churches, uh, but also even within the Catholic Church, there are different opinions, different groups that, that don't agree with one another and so on. Uh, but this is a reflection of our internal divisions as individuals. You know, we, we're not always at accord with ourselves. We're not always, uh, uh, as monks, you know, one of the things we try to do is become monos, become one whole with ourselves so that everything we do speaks of Christ and we're no longer divided within ourselves. How do we do this? We need ourselves to be continually evangelized, uh, to actually hear for ourselves good news that uh, we listen to the joy that Isaiah speaks about in the first reading, to really rejoice in the fact that God is offering us the fulfillment of everything we want. He's offering us this for an eternity. Uh, he is promising to keep us safe from all harm in the gospel today. Uh, what could go wrong uh, if we really trust him? Where are the places I don't yet trust? What is it that holds me back? What are the thoughts, the behaviors that cause me uh, to become stuck in fear, to, be, to cause me to become stuck in anxiety or stress? What is it that kills my joy? And I'll say this, I say this to the brothers in various ways. Answering that last question, it's not legitimate to say, he does. <laughs> no, I don't say, he kills my joy, it's his fault. No, what is it about me that I can't accept my brother or sister in such a way that I see the image of God? That I, that I whatever limitations that person has, I see that this is a person with whom I am destined to spend eternity as friends. Uh, how do I go about changing the way I view other people? This work requires internal work, requires paying attention to what I think, paying attention to what goes on in prayer. When our Lord says, carry no money bag, no sack, no sandals, uh, the fathers of the church would see this as uh, exhorting us not to put our trust in material rewards, but to look for spiritual rewards, spiritual goods. What are these? Well, the characterization of spiritual goods and delighting in them is this, that material goods, because they are matter, uh, they're limited. They're limited in space and time. So there are only so many of them. Uh, and the brothers are going to yawn when I talk about this because I emphasize with them all the time. Uh, if there are six donuts on the plate and I eat one of them, you can't have it. It's gone, you know. Uh, we, there's a limit to material goods. Spiritual goods are such that there is no limit. Uh, normally, we think of these as the virtues. So, for example, if I become more courageous, uh, I don't take away courage from you. In fact, uh, when someone becomes more courageous, that person becomes uh, a greater inspiration for me to become more courageous. So spiritual goods are of such nature uh, that we're not competing over them. They bring us delight for this reason. They bring us closer together. They don't separate us. And so if we take delight not in uh, money bags, sandals, etc., but in seeing what happens when the Word of God is really unleashed on the world and we really understand a life of virtue, uh, when this brings us joy, 
you know, who, who's to stop us from preaching the good news if, if that is where we're coming from? Uh, the apostles often encountered Gentiles when they went out to preach uh, who were virtuous. And uh, these often accepted the good news. And they praised virtue where they saw it rather than saying, oh, how can he be virtuous because he's not one of us? Uh, but, but rather saying, see how the Holy Spirit is working even where we hadn't sown, even where we hadn't done any work yet. So if we can see even virtue in our enemies uh, and, and call this out and notice it, this is an invitation then to see where real virtue leads. It really leads to a life of truth, which is life in Christ. A fear of failure in this, uh, we should be careful not to hide uh, by uh, pretend virtues. You know, sometimes we can just use moralism as a way of uh, saying, well, you know, other people are, are not very good, and uh, therefore I, there's no point in trying. Uh, this, this, again, I would say is sort of cheating. Who doesn't, I mean, really, who doesn't wish in our world for peace? Who doesn't wish for joy? Who doesn't respond to real love? Uh, if, if we can't believe this about each other, then we won't be able to preach the good news. And so this is more uh, reflection that is required of us. Can I see in even my enemy a person who needs peace, a person who needs love, who's yearning for it? And can I bring myself to a place to offer this to him or her? Can we uproot from ourselves whatever keeps us from the genuine spiritual gifts so that we will be ready when the Lord calls to send us out to his vineyard.